ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome in to the Thursday, February 7th edition. The Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan, for the next hour. I'm going to be previewing Marshall's matchup against North Texas. They're playing in Denton, Texas tonight at the Super Pit. So we'll preview that matchup also. Marshall's women are in action. They're playing at the Cam Henderson Center. So we'll preview that contest as well. And, of course, going to talk a little football with you because yesterday was signing day. Early signing period, the Thundering Herd got a lot of players. They get a few for this February period. And yesterday, Doc Holliday talked to the media, went over that class. But after we heard Doc yesterday, had a chance to catch up with Mike Trier. Now, Mike Trier is the recruiting coordinator for the Thundering Herd. And so a lot goes on his plate as far as making all of this happen. And a lot of quality recruits came in. Pretty good job, I think, from not only Doc Holliday, his coaches, Mike Trier as well. So they've got to be pretty pleased. A lot of places have rated Marshall's class the number one in Conference USA. Now that's going to be debatable for the months and weeks. Let's be honest. We'll see what it looks like when those players are on campus in the Thundering Herd uniform, on the Thundering Herd roster, playing on game day. We'll see what that evaluation looks like towards the end of their career, how good a class it really was. But for right now, at least on paper, you got to feel pretty good about the kids that came in. But I wanted to get Coach's evaluation. So I asked him, just give me his evaluation of what this recruiting class looked like. Yeah, you know, Doc touched on it. You know, the, the ratings and all are, are great. But, you know, we target certain guys and we track them throughout the year. Um, and, and, and those guys, like Doc said, are all five stars does. You can go down the line. I was talking to Chuck the other day uh, about guys that we've had in the program that weren't recruited all. You know, you think of Chase uh, Hancock and Malik Gant. And those guys, Ryan B. wasn't real highly recruited. So uh, stars are great and all, but you got to trust your evaluation throughout the year and target the guys you go after and then track them for six months, whatever it takes. Now, we talked about how five-star, four-star, three-star, you look at that, you see those stars, you see those rankings, you think, hey, this is a pretty good class. Marshall is able to get X amount of this classification, X amount of that classification. In other words, a lot of people just look at the stars. Well, that's not necessarily what Marshall's looking for. And Mike Trier, again, reiterated that they're not looking for what some organizations say. They're not looking for what some organizations say is a five-star. They're going to make their own evaluations, but it's not necessarily what the five, four, three, two, or one-star looks like to someone else. They've got something else in mind when they're looking for a player. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, you're looking for specific qualities of certain positions and what your team needs. And, you know, on, you know defensive back-wise, we're looking at certain things. Some four- and five-star guys may not have those things. So you got to do what's best for the team. And at certain positions, you know, say so you look at certain things. And some of those writers don't always look at those things. The guys that rate those guys, I don't know who those guys are. So, I mean, it's nice when you find a good player that's a four-star and Twitter likes it and we like it and all that's great. But it's not, not really what it's about for us. Now, you do talk about high-star players, kids that are sought after, 
good indicator that a lot of people are evaluating a kid pretty well, and that's Dante Walker, rated a four-star prospect by ESPN.com. Now, he was previously committed to Arkansas, also had offers from Alabama, Georgia, Maryland, Mississippi State, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So a lot of people were after him, and when you get a kid like that comes into your recruiting class, what does that really mean? For the rest of the recruiting class, what does Dante Walker bring to recruiting and the recruiting class once you get that kid? Sure. I mean, uh, his stuff's warranted. I mean, shoot, you watch his tape. I mean, he's twitched up like crazy for a guy of that size. Um, but sure, it helps. And, you know, around here, you know, I've been around since 2013. And with Doc being here, he always seems to grab a guy or two or three around this time with those high accolades that it's warranted. And obviously, he, all Dante's got all that stuff. That's all warranted. I mean, just you turn on the tape, it's pretty, pretty easy to see with him. Now, one of the more interesting players that got signed by the Thundering Herd was Knowledge McDaniel. That's an interesting name, Knowledge McDaniel. And yes, the puns will be flying pretty soon. But the question to Coach Trier was, hey, uh, what's the story here on this kid? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a lot of people in that community that's helped him out. You know, um, obviously only played four games this year, but his, his potential speaks for itself. His, his versatility on the, from the offensive side of the ball, you know, I talked about it earlier on the show. Um, Tim likes to throw those wheel routes and stuff out of the backfield. You watch his tape. He really plays a ton of wide receiver. He catches the ball a lot. Um, I think his versatility will be incredible for us. Um, it's always nice to get something different out of his running backs. I mean, Knox is such a big back and a tough guy to tackle. You know, I think knowledge, it complements him pretty well. Now, with the early signing period, you get a few players come in, you have some offers remaining, and you get an opportunity to maybe reset your recruiting just a little bit. So the question to Coach Trier was, does the early signing period through February allow you to maybe evaluate a player better? And the gist of that question was, you bring in some kids, there's maybe a kid that falls through the cracks maybe, or you get a little bit more time to evaluate a kid. So what's that mean, having the December signing period and now the February signing period? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Doc does a great job of always having the mindset that we're never going to turn away a good player. And I think that kind of works in that way. And like you said, we're holding a couple spots still at this point. We'll hold our strategy is always to hold a few spots after that December date. And Sue's left out there who we thought maybe wouldn't be out there at that point because certain guys pop up for whatever reason, whether it's injury or whatever it is, guys are available after that first signing day that maybe you hadn't targeted throughout the whole year and then same thing at this point I mean, we're always looking to better the roster and uh, Doc does a great job of holding scholarships available for guys like Knowledge or whoever after this signing day that's still out there whether it's a transfer or whoever. One question that was asked of Coach Trier how do you get in on a guy like TJ Johnson? Now he's a power five recruit had a year at Minnesota so how do you get in on a guy like that? Uh, well actually uh, J.C. Price went out there in December to those Kansas Chucos, and he actually went out there to recruit Josh. So he came back with some names. You know, Carpenter was one, and T.J. was one of some guys that he picked up as he was out there. Because that trip, you're not just going out there to one of those schools. You know, you're going, there's a couple of them out there you're going to go hit, and some names popped up at that time. Uh, I mean, T.J., he walks in the door. You're going to see why we like him. Uh, like Doc said, I think he came in at like 240 when we started recruiting him. He's already up to 270. I mean, he's just 
just he's just a big guy that, that moves really well. You see why he had such big offers coming out of high school. And finally, of course, in-state kids are what everyone's talking about. That's the buzzword. It seems a lot more talent is being discovered or realized in the state of West Virginia. So the question the Coach Trier was, how important is it to focus on those in-state guys? Huge. I mean, that's that's where we start. You know, when we, like now, starting last week, you know, we really started to work on that 2020 class. It all started with West Virginia. We evaluate the West Virginia kids first, and that's what we're going through right now in the process. So in-state guys are, are, are incredible, to, incredibly huge to what we try to get done. Um, and I think it's by the way we recruit. It's It all starts with the in-state kids. Um, so... You know, we've had success with guys here in the past. Obviously, Owen and Jacob and those guys are here now and getting a guy like Amir, you know, from in-state guys. Tristan was a guy that we liked this time last year. I remember watching his film, and obviously we didn't have – Alex was here at the time, but I was kind of waiting for the offensive line coach to show up. And Greg came and watched him and said, dude, get him to camp. You know, his film's really good. So it all starts – this time of year is where it starts uh, with the West Virginia kids. I think you got a pretty good evaluation of what the recruiting class looks like, what goes in on trying to put together a class that fits for Marshall University. As these guys say, they're all five stars to them. So when we come back from break, we're going to look at Marshall basketball a little bit closer, give you an idea what Conference USA looks like this week. That's all when we continue with this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition. The drive continues on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for joining me for this edition. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the program, all you have to do is go to our website. You can listen to it there at wrvc.com. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. We're on Spotify as well. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. All you have to do is do a search for The Drive with Paul Swan. And if you can't find it, request it. Or just do what I do. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts. It's the easiest way to do it, and it's fast, it's free, and did I tell you it's free? Marshall basketball coming up tonight. Now, we're going to go into some greater in-depth coverage of that tonight as the Thundering Herd takes on North Texas. We'll have that broadcast for you, 6.30 p.m., set for an 8 o'clock tip. So we go on the air at 6.30, we'll get you set for the game, and then we'll have the post-game all right here. Hopefully we're talking about a Marshall victory. But before we get into that, some good news today for Marshall University senior guard John Elmore, named as one of 10 men's basketball players to be finalist for the 2018-19 NCAA Senior Class Award. That uh, is a big deal for him. Now, just to give you the resume, again, if you don't know much about John Elmore, let me tell you, the kid can play basketball. He has climbed the all-time ranks now for both Marshall and Conference USA history. He is the all-time leader in program history at Marshall, made three-pointers at 305, assist at 713, and made free throws at 628. He is second in points, second in points right now, and sitting just seven steals away from the top five in program history. He has 155. Now, in Conference USA history, he's second in points, made free throws, and is just two assists away from surpassing UTEP's uh, Julian Stone's all-time mark of 714. 
Now he's also a member of the league's all-conference first team and three times Conference USA Player of the Week this past season. The kid also has something that nobody else can claim. First of all, he did help the Herd get to the NCAA tournament. Other players have done that. So, okay, check that off the resume. He's now got something that some of the greats have. Postseason appearance. First time in 31 years. But the one thing he can say that most of the greats can't, he got a postseason win. Not only a postseason win, NCAA tournament victory. So he's the guy who became the first player in league history to lead Conference USA in points and assists in consecutive season. Now, you know what he did last year. He just broke the single season record for points, and that's the school single season record for points at 100, 200, 300, no, 800, 816. Assist at 244, free throws at 232, free throw attempts at 281. Man, the numbers are just, just can go on and on here. So 20 NCAA men and women's basketball student-athletes who excel both on and off the court were selected as finalists today for the 2018-19 Senior Class Award. To be eligible for the award, student-athletes must be classified as NCAA Division I seniors and have notable achievements in four areas of excellence, community, classroom, character, and competition. Elmore, I think you can put down a check mark by all of those. Community, classroom, character, and competition. So who else made the list? Well, Clayton Cluster, Clayton Custer, Loyola, Chicago. Uh, Mike Dom from South Dakota State. Uh, Ethan Happ from Wisconsin. Luke May from North Carolina. Uh, Drew McDonald from North Kentucky. I'm sorry, Northern Kentucky. Uh, Josh Perkins from Gonzaga. Reed Travis from Kentucky. Um, let's see, Dylan Windler from Belmont. And Justin Wright Foreman from Hofstra all made the list. That's a pretty cool class. He's a part of that now. And if you're interested in being a part of what's going on with this, all you have to do is go to SeniorClassAward.com. SeniorClassAward.com. I like Elmore. He's, um, he's been a great addition to the Marshall roster. Definitely going to be going down as one of the all-time greats for the Thundering Herd. Not just statistically, but you're going to be talking about him from years to come. You're going to be talking about C.J. Burks for years to come as well. And not only will you be talking about them, what they did here in their collegiate career, but I think these guys might have a shot. The NBA is a fickle thing, but these guys might have a shot. And I think C.J. has definitely put the right weight on. He looks stronger. I think his game might translate to the NBA. I'm curious to see how these guys' futures look. But Marshall's in action tonight. I know it's been thrown around. I've thrown the word around myself last week, must win. So Marshall's got a must-win situation. So they're taking on North Texas. They're in Denton. They're playing at the Super Pit. First of all, the Super Pit. What a name for an arena. It just 
seems menacing or going to the super pit. But I think these guys have got to focus now. Elmore and Burks, they're going to get theirs, right? They're going to get theirs. But some big things can happen here. So I expect Elmore to be a little focused because I think, I don't think he's a glory hound, but I think he's aware of legacy. I think that's in his mind. I'm speaking from just my impression. He might look at me and go, no, I don't care. But I think he does, just a little bit. Not to the detriment of the team, mind you, but I think he understands what legacy is all about, and he knows that he's on the cusp of having one of those all-time great legacies and that his success also benefits the Thundering Herd. So you might see this guy ramp it up. He's only 213 points away from tying Skip Henderson for the school record. And Skip, that was my guy. Him and John Taft, as I was a kid growing up, those were my guys. Just the ones I rooted for. The ones that I was watching Marshall basketball as I was uh, growing up, getting older. And those were the names. John Taft, Skip Henderson. And you just thought those guys were everything. They couldn't be stopped. And you look back at their careers, and there were some good times at Marshall with those guys. And you look back now, I mean, with John Elmore, I didn't think anyone would come close in a long time. And it did take a long time. But Elmore's now 213 points away from tying Skip Henderson. As we mentioned, he's second place Conference USA's all-time scoring list with 2,361 points, past UTEP's Randy Culpepper. He is now 95 points away. 95 points, and he will tie Stephon Jackson for a share of the league's scoring record. You think between now and the end of it all, Elmore can get 95 points? I think he can. How great would that be? Skip Henderson's record going down to John Elmore, torch being passed, and then Elmore becomes the number one scorer in Conference USA. He's got some other records to, to look at. He also passed UCF's Jermaine Taylor for fifth place in Conference USA for field goals made. He has 714. Taylor had 710 from 2006 to 2009. And He's going to get the assist record. He's going to get that. He's one shy. He ties Julian Stone for the Conference USA career assist record when he gets one. And that's 714. I mean, he had, oh, I don't know, eight on Saturday night. That put him up to 713. So he's going to get that one. And he's going to get closer to that steals record. He's going to get there. He's also, by the way... um, I think he's doing well. And don't forget, hey, you know, we haven't talked about C.J. Burks. He broke a tie with Mark Doris for career steals. That put him in sole possession of 12th place in program history with 127. He's two behind DeAndre Kane at 129 steals for 11th in school history. Don't forget that. And, again, I thought DeAndre Kane was one of those special players. I really loved watching DeAndre Kane. 
And let's not forget, we haven't talked about a couple of guys as well. Jared West. I talk about him a lot because I like his game. I like his effort. I like how he plays. He had a career high, seven rebounds against the Roadrunners. Also had two steals. That now puts him at 18th in school history with 112 ties with Sean Moore. He also has 55 steals on the season, tied for 10th most in a single season in program history. He is only one of two players in Marshall history to have two seasons with 55-plus steals. Uh, you know who he joins on that list? Sidney Coles in 1995 and 96 had 75, and in 96-97 had 72. And I can't wait to see what Tavion Kenzie and the rest of these uh, youngsters start doing. I can't wait to see that. I mean, Elmore's record might stand a little while. Maybe it doesn't. It's a great record to go after. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the North Texas a little bit. Again, we've got pregame action coming up tonight, 630, but giving you a little early preview of tonight's contest between Marshall and North Texas when we continue with this edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition. It is February 7th. Paul Swan, your host. Hey, that's me, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've got Marshall taking on the Mean Green, North Texas tonight. Mean Green, pretty good, right? Their record says so. They're 19-4. They're also 7-3 in Conference USA. They're pretty good, right? Well, they're going to cause a problem for Marshall tonight. I'm going to tell you why. Because they lead Conference USA in something called defense. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but defense is where you limit the other team from scoring. And they lead Conference USA in that statistic. They're giving up only 62 points per game. I mean, all fun and games here aside. They're going to be a strong defensive test for the Thundering Herd tonight. Just, just because, statistically, they're going to be tough. They're also second in field goal percentage. They are 45.8%. They also hold teams to 40.2% from the field. That's third best in the conference. So Marshall is going to have to make... All their shots count, I think. They're going to miss a lot. You know that. They're going to shoot a lot. You know that as well. But Marshall's going to have to make the most of their opportunities tonight. And they didn't get to a 7-3 mark. They just didn't fall into that in Conference USA. They're also a team that has been really strong at stopping what Marshall likes to do. They have held teams to a Conference USA best 31% shooting from behind the arc. I mean, that's that's a a team that is going to give Marshall fits tonight. And what do I say every time we do a pregame? What's the statistic I circle? Points in the paint. Now, I am not the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd, but if I was, I would be on the bench yelling, go inside a little bit more. Free it up outside, but going inside a little bit more. 
And they're doing an okay job, and some nights they do a better job than others, but I would like to see this team go inside a lot more. Make sure you're a threat from the outside and make sure that you can score from anywhere. That's what I want to see. Maybe a little defense too, but I'm not going to push it here. Marshall leads this series all-time 5-1 against North Texas. They also got a win last year at the Super Pit. Hopefully they can get a win again here at the Super Pit. But this is an important game, not just for Marshall, but for North Texas as well because they want to stay in the hunt for the conference title. First of all, you win that regular season title, you get an automatic guarantee that you're going to the postseason. Think about that. Keep that in mind. Now, I don't know if Marshall is going to be able to win the Conference USA regular season. But if they did, that guarantees them the NIT. Now, you're thinking, why are you playing for the NIT? You're playing for postseason. First and foremost, you're playing for postseason. So, lock that down. All right, we're an NIT team now. We've won the regular season We're now an NIT team. We have got postseason locked up. So now let's go out there and win the conference tournament. That'd be my mindset. But that's what's going on here with some of these teams. You get in postseason, you get better. And I'd like to see Marshall continue that, get into postseason again. But it's sort of crunch time here now for these teams. And keep this in mind. The schedule locks soon. And then you're slotted into a certain pod. And once you get there, you're not moving out of that pod. You're not going to drop out of the pod, and you're not going to move into the pod. Because right now, you've got bonus games that are coming up soon. And just looking at the schedule, I don't know if we've even broke this down just yet, but Marshall has North Texas on the 7th, which is today, Rice On the 9th, that's Saturday, home against UAB on Valentine's Day. So, hey, get your special someone, flowers, candy, whatever they want. And if they don't think Marshall basketball is a romantic time, make sure you buy them a really nice dinner before and get extra, extra nice flowers and lots of candy. And if that still doesn't work, I don't know what to do for you. Yeah, Valentine's Day. It's going to be romantic time against UAB at the Cam Henderson Center. But I do digress. The 16th is Middle Tennessee, and then you got some time. You got a few days. You go from the 16th to the 23rd. You don't know where you're going, how the schedule is going to look until the pod locks. But this is important. These next four games, pod locks. And so you got to win these. You got to go out there and you got to win these because after Middle Tennessee on the 16th, you get a whole week. You get a game on the 23rd, maybe. You get a game on the 28th. You get a game on the 3rd. You get a game on the 6th. And you get a game on the 9th. These are five slots. These are bonus games. You don't know how you're going to get slotted. Please don't play on a Sunday. That's all I'm asking. Don't play on a Sunday. Nobody wants to come on a Sunday. And if you're playing on a Sunday, when do you play that? You play that on Sunday afternoon? You play that on Sunday evening? I don't know. 
I don't know how that's going to work because, again, you don't know what your schedule is going to look like. But once you play that game on the 16th, you are locked. Then you wait until you get the schedule. And then are you playing on the 23rd? You playing on the 28th, 3rd, 6th, or 9th? You got five slots. I believe you get four of those filled. So they're keeping those slots open. And so that's when it all locks for everybody. Same thing for North Texas. North Texas has got a few more games to go, and then they've got to hopefully get ready for that first pod. That's why it's important for them, because they're in a situation right now where they're in. They're locked in that first pod. Marshall's got to stay in that first pod. Look at the standings right now, Conference USA. Old Dominion right now 8-3. and three. North Texas is at 7-3, and three, and then UTSA 7-3. and three. I think it's safe to say the majority of those teams are going to remain there. And then UAB's at 6-4, and four, and Marshall's got to contend with them coming up soon. Then Marshall and Western Kentucky are 6-4 and four as well. I think you're going to get separation soon. North Texas could wreck Marshall and Western Kentucky's weekend a little bit by beating them. Then we get down to Southern Miss at six and five, FIU's at five and five, then Tex at five and six, FAU's at four and six, and then we get to that final four. You want to try to get out of that four, five, that bottom. Charlotte, UTEP, Middle Tennessee, Rice. All the bottom. Charlotte's the worst at two and nine. UTEP's at two and eight. Middle Tennessee's at four and six. Rice is at four and six. What if Rice sweeps? Because Marshall and Western Kentucky got to face off against those two. North Texas and Rice. What if Rice sweeps them both? I don't think that's going to happen. But what if it does happen? What happens? All of a sudden, Rice is 6-6, six and six, and all of a sudden a contender again for at least the middle part of the pot, I think. What Marshall's got to do is they've got to win. Simple. That's, that's it. They've got to win. They've got to start finding their footing. But I would get into the mentality that you're fighting to get into – you're going to play two tournaments. You're playing two tournaments is what's happening here. You've got this unknown tournament that it's going to be a round robin. You don't know until they tell you. And then you go. you got some time to prepare for it. At least the scheduling allows some flexibility. We won't know what it looks like until we see it, and then we can pick it apart or applaud it then. Then after that, you got the Conference USA tournament. You could possibly play your last game on the 9th, and then you've got the tournament starting on the 13th. Or you could finish up on the 6th. I would think you would want to avoid that Sunday game for crowd purposes. But we'll see what the conference does and how it's slotted and how everything works out. I'm interested just to see what this looks like the first time. I can't really pick it apart or criticize it until then. But it does make this interesting because Marshall's got to get themselves locked. They have to lock themselves in that first pod, and then they're going to have to face off against, again, possibly... North Texas, Old Dominion, UTSA, UAB. You know, try to lock into that situation. 
And Western Kentucky could sneak in here as well. Don't forget them. Western Kentucky, I still think, is going to sneak in. But Marshall has got to start winning some basketball games. The road trip didn't help. They're now back on the road trip. You don't have the three games on the road where you travel, come back home, then go out on the road trip. You're not wearing yourself out. This is a normal conference road trip. You should be okay for this. That shouldn't be a factor, but we'll find out tonight. And we'll preview it all again when we come back at 6.30 for our pregame. You can listen to it right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 and 93.7 The Dog. we got more on the way. It's The Drive. I'm your host, Paul Swan. It's ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of The Drive. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Coming up tonight, 6.30, we go live on 93.7 The Dog, as well as right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. For pregame coverage of Marshall at North Texas, we'll have it for you tonight starting at 6.30. And then game tips off at 8. After that, back here for postgame coverage all right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And 93.7 The Dog. Now, the men are in action tonight. Guess what? The women are in action as well. Marshall will be taking on North Texas. 6 o'clock tip at the Cam Henderson Center. So I hope you're on your way now if you're going to the game. They really need some support. I truly believe they're getting shortchanged. If you've got nothing going on on a Thursday or Saturday and the women are at home, check out a game. They've been winning. That's been what's been special for them. They're 13-9 and nine right now, but they're 7-2 and two in conference play. They've really turned it on in conference. And they're taking on a Texas team, a mean green team, North Texas team that is 11-10, 4-5. So I think this is a winnable game for them. And they've been winning, and they've been putting some, some panache on it. They've been having some fun. Or at least they've been having uh, some fun making a uh, coach older than he should be. Because they had a double-digit deficit again. And you're thinking, or what are they doing? Just spotting the other team points. And then they came back, and then they beat UTSA on the road 79-72 in overtime. That was impressive. So now they've improved. UTSA, they dropped them to 6-15 and and 1-7 and in the league. But more importantly, they were down and found a way to come back again. So this is a game where the Roadrunners – they had a 12-point second quarter lead. They were leading 12 points. And then Marshall had a, um, well, they had a similar situation. They had a 14-point comeback against Utah. So in this game, they saw the Roadrunners grab a 12-point second quarter lead, and then they've had to deal with that similar situation. The win was Marshall's fourth straight league road game, which was a victory. Fourth straight road win. And that's the longest mark for the program since their last year in the Mid-American Conference. They won five in a row that year. So all of a sudden, Marshall women are starting to be a resurgent program. Shayna Gore had 21 of her game-high 31 points in the fourth quarter, so she really turned it on in the fourth. And the overtime session as well. So 21 of her 31 came in that fourth and in the overtime. Taylor Porter had 19. 
Khadijah Brooks tied a career high with 13 rebounds. Faced a seven-point deficit in the game going into the fourth. And then Hurd tied it, and you know the rest. They went in overtime. So if they get the win tonight, they would go to 8-2 and two in Conference USA. That's the, the best. And let me rephrase that for you. That's the best league start for the program since they did it in the 88-89 season in the Southern Conference, but they were 9-0 and there. So 8-2 and would be the best conference start for them since they did it in the Southern Conference. And the last time they had a longer road streak than what they've got right now was in 2004 and 2005, as we mentioned. They did that in the MAC. Now, here's another stat, just to throw this out, because, again, it's interesting but true. Marshall's 5-0 and on Thursdays. So when the Herd plays on Thursdays, they win. Guess what? It's Thursday. Let's hope they win. I really think that um, they have found a nice rhythm. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win Conference USA, but I'm not going to tell them they're not either. I definitely wouldn't say that to their face. I wouldn't say, you know what, I don't think you're going to win Conference USA because they'll prove me wrong. And I hope they do. They're going to be competitive. I, I can't guarantee they win the conference, but I can guarantee you this. If you got to go through them to win the conference, you're going to get a fight. And I like what Tony Kemper has done with the program. They're winning. They're becoming successful. They're starting to know what winning is about. They are starting to know what coming from behind is about. They understand what victory is looking like, and that's good for this program. For many years, you kind of thought, when's this program going to take off? When's it really going to take off? They've had some successes. They've had some failures, but you've been waiting for this program to take off, and I think Tony has got them in a point now where they're going to be a tough out. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. We're going to be back in about 30 minutes. We've got pregame action Marshall is taking on North Texas. I'll have the pregame right here and on 93.7 The Dog. So we'll be back in about 30 minutes taking a look at what's happening in Conference USA and, of course, Marshall and North Texas. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the program, you can always go back and catch it on the podcast. That's the podcast, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you in 30 minutes for those of you listening on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. station.